0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading this morning is Numbers 2. It's about the arrangement of the tribal camps in the desert. While the people of the Lord were on their way to the promised land. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, The Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting some distance from it, each man under his standard with the banners of his family. On the east, toward the sunrise, the divisions of the camp of Judah are to encamp under their standard. The leader of the people of Judah is Nasham, son of Aminadab." His division number 74,600. The tribe of Issachar will camp next to them. The leader of the people of Issachar is Nethanel, son of Zuar. His division number is 54,400. The tribe of Zebulun will be next. The leader of the people of Zebulun is Eliab, son of Helam. His division number is 57,400. All the men assigned to the camp of Judah... According to their divisions, number 186,400, they will set out first. On the south will be the divisions of the camp of Reuben, under their standard. The leader of the people of Reuben is Elazar, son of Shidwar. His division number is 46,500. The tribe of Simeon will camp next to them. The leader of the people of Simeon is Shilumiel, son of Zerishaddai. His division number is 59,300. The tribe of Gad will be next. The leader of the people of Gad is Eliaseth, son of Duel. His division number is 45,650. So all the men assigned to this camp of Reuben. According to their divisions, number 151,450, they will set out second. Then the tent of meeting and the camp of the Levites will set out in the middle of the camps. They will set out in the same order as they encamp, each in his own place under his standard. On the west will be the divisions of the camp of Ephraim, under their standard. The leader of the people of Ephraim is Elishamah, son of Emehut. His division number is 40,500. The tribe of Manasseh will be next to them. The leader of the people of Manasseh is Gamaliel, son of Padezer. His division numbers 32,200. The tribe of Benjamin will be next. The leader of the people of Benjamin is Abaddon, son of Gideoni his division number 35,400. All the men assigned to this camp of Ephraim, according to their divisions, number 108,100, they will set out third. On the north will be the divisions of the camp of Dan, under their standard. The leader of the people of Dan is Ahiezer, son of Amishadai, his division number 62,700. The tribe of Asher will camp next to them. The leader of the people of Asher is Pigiel, son of Ochran. His division numbers 41,500. The tribe of Naphtali will be next. The leader of the people of Naphtali is Ahira, son of Enon. His division numbers 53,400. So all the men assigned to this camp of Dan number hundred seven, seventy fifty-seven thousand six hundred. They will set out last. Under their standards. These are the Israelites. Counted according to their families. All those in the camps. By their divisions. Number 603,550. The Levites however. Were not counted along with the other Israelites. As the Lord commanded Moses. So the Israelites did. Everything the Lord commanded Moses. That is the way they encamped. Under their standards. And that is the way they set out. Each with his clan and family. So the sermon will be about a chapter we read, Numbers 2. And This chapter is summarized in verse 34. So the Israelites did everything the Lord commanded Moses. That is the way they encamped under their standards. And that is the way they set out, each with his clan and family. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Chapter 2 of the book of Numbers is a clear manifestation of the glory of the Lord and of His grace. At first sight, we may easily overlook this glory and this grace of the Lord. We, people who are used to reading 21st century papers, modern time novels, Well, what we read here is a list of names and numbers. And the question may well arise, what is this all about? What is the message of the word of the Lord in this chapter of the Bible? Well, I say the message is the Lord places his people in a place of honor in the middle of the desert. And by doing so, he proclaims both his glory and his grace. Because this is what happens when the people of Israel are told to gather around the tabernacle during their travels through the desert of Sinai. So they share, by His grace, in the glory of the Lord. Now I realize there is some distance between the names and numbers of Numbers chapter 2 and you. What we will do in the sermon is the following. By reading closely and by explaining carefully some of the important details in this chapter, we will look for what the Spirit wants to tell us. What does the word of the Lord mean here exactly? But we will also in the sermon broaden our horizons... And we will do so by comparing those important details in this chapter with other biblical information about the subject of this chapter, the tribes of the people of Israel before the face of the Lord. And by this close reading and and this comparing with other biblical information, we will learn more about the Lord, about his glory, about his grace. For us, Now, any place near the tabernacle was, of course, a place of honor. But it's interesting to see a certain graduation in the different places of the different tribes of the people of the Lord. Well, nowadays in human sports, for example, if you're the winner, your place is number one, right? The winner takes it all. If you're second, well, you will still be a silver medal winner, although you'll not hear the national anthem play for you well enough. Even being third, there is still some glory left for you. But please never be number four. You're a loser. There's no honor for you. That's how it is nowadays, right? In the days of Israel in the desert, there was another cultural concept of places of honor. And the first place was in the east. Um, East is the main direction for orientation. East is where the sun rises. When you are placed in the east, you're number one. Second place is south. Because south is at your right hand if you're facing east. And the right hand is a place of honor. Third hand, third place is west. And fourth is north. If your place is in the north, well, you're number four. So in numbers two, we see four Groups of tribes in each direction of the wind. Each group of tribes, each division, is constituted by three different tribes. But within each of those groups of three, one tribe is placed in the middle. Those four center tribes can be considered to represent their division. And those four leaders are Judah in the east, Reuben in the south, Ephraim in the west, and number four, Dan in the north. And we will consider these four tribes, their place, and the reason for their placement. And we will consider them one by one, counterclockwise, starting in the north. And this is also the division of this sermon. The theme of the sermon is the Lord places his people around the tabernacle in a place of honor in the middle of the desert. Number four, Dan. Number three, Ephraim. Number two, Reuben. Number one, Judah. One, the tribe of Dan, together with the other two tribes in his division, receives the place Least honored in the camp around the tabernacle, at the foot. In order to understand why the Lord gives Dan this place, we must consider what other two tribes receive a place in this division of Dan in the north. Those tribes are Asher and Naphtali. Now, Dan and Naphtali were both the sons of Jacob and Bilhah. Bilhah, so we read in Genesis chapter 30, was the slave of Rachel, Rachel, Jacob's second wife, whom he loved most. After some time, Leah, Jacob's first wife, gave birth to four children, four sons of Jacob. You probably know them, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Those sons of Leah made Rachel unhappy because Rachel did not give birth to a child, boy, or girl. Now, this grief of Rachel is quite natural. She would love to be a mother, but the Lord didn't grant her any children. Her emotion is understandable, but her reaction, what she did, was wrong. She did not wait for the Lord, but came with her own solution. A wrong solution. She gave her slave to Jacob in her own place. So that the children of Bilhah would be considered the children of Rachel. And Bilhah gave birth. Dan and Naphtali. They were the pride of Rachel. God has vindicated me. That's the meaning of Dan. I have had a great struggle and I won. That is the meaning of Naphtali. And Leah felt she had to take action too. So she gives her slave to Jacob. Zilpah is her name. And she gives birth to, Gad and Asher. Happy and happiness. The meaning of their names. Because Leah is happy again. But the Lord is not. As we can understand. He had made Abram wait for a hundred years before he gave him a son. Then the granddaughter of Abram should not be surprised when she has to wait some years before the Lord gives her a son. Of course she can come to the Lord with her grief, but she has to put her faith in Him. Leave it to Him what He gives. And this kind of foster motherhood is not what He gives. So here in Numbers chapter four, chapter two, we discover in hindsight, The judgment of the Lord on this totally out of place battle of the sisters. Now the Lord places the children of Bilhah and one of the children of Zilpah at the lowest place in the camp of the Lord in the desert. And not only was their place the lowest place, it was also the most dangerous place. Because this northern army division the division of dan always was the last to march they were always at the rear and guess where the blows are dealt exactly at the rear you may remember the war against the amalekites as mentioned in deuteronomy chapter 25 their terrorist attacks come exactly from the rear attacks against dan and the other two tribes And even further on in history, in the promised land, then again gets a place in the north. And again, where does the enemy come from? Syria, Assyria, Babylon. Those enemies all attack from the north. North is the place where the blows are dealt. But don't focus too much on this least honored and most vulnerable place the Lord gives to them. Please focus on the fact that the Lord grants them a place after all. They may be the children of Bilhah and Zilpah. They still are children of the covenant. They belong to the Lord. Apparently, the grace of the Lord is rich enough and the glory of the Lord is strong enough to take this all too human behavior in the battle of the sisters and to give it a place with him, within his kingdom, around his place of dwelling. In comparison with the others, the place of Dan and his division may be the last. It still is absolutely a place near him. And I want you to understand the good news of that. They belong to the Lord, even Dan and his brothers. So this is the way the Lord deals with those tribes around Dan. What does this reveal about the way he deals with us? It's important to realize the Lord did not change the way he acts toward people. Now, I am quite sure... That there are among you people who sometimes feel like yeah, you belong to a tribe of Dan. People, for, people who for one reason or another think they don't count too much in the church nor in the eyes of the Lord. People who have reason to think they are always in the place where the blows are dealt. Like the attacks from the enemies from outside. People who mock you, mock you for being such a strange Christian. Or maybe even worse, attacks from within. Lack of respect from within the church. You feel like dirt. So what do you do? Maybe you feel like deserting. What can you do? Now, I don't claim that it feels good to be under attack because of your faith. I absolutely don't say it's a good thing to disrespect brothers and sisters within the church because they, well, are not as bright as you or not as rich as you are or do not come from noble birth. Do I know? Because within the church, the body of Christ, every member is needed, especially the common people. Not many wise by human standards, not many influential, not many of noble birth. Every member is needed. Let there be feet. Let there be a back. As long as you walk with the Lord. And as long as you catch blows in His name. You do have your place near the Lord. Within His congregation. Yeah. Look at it from this bright side. You're not just the foot folk. You're servants in the name of the Lord. Just as... Father Jacob had promised Genesis chapter 49 about one of Dan's partners of Asher. Asher's food shall be rich and he shall yield royal dainties, not just servants. Royal Asher's, by the grace of the Lord, you share in the glory of the Lord. What can be dishonoring about that? That's one. Two. We turn counterclockwise and we meet in the West, the tribe of Ephraim. And to the division of Ephraim belonged the tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of Benjamin. You may well know them. Manasseh and Ephraim were both the sons of Joseph. In fact, Manasseh was the older one and Ephraim the younger brother. But grandfather Jacob blessed them crosswise. Ephraim at his left knee with his right hand and Manasseh at his right knee with his left hand. And you know what this right hand means, extra honor. So Ephraim first and Manasseh second and then Benjamin next. And the three of them, the sons or grandchildren of Rachel, Jacob's favorites. Now Jacob had truly great expectations, first off, Joseph, later off, Ephraim. The blessing he gives them in Genesis chapter 48 makes those tribes in advance an example in Israel. God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And let's face it, history made Jacob's words come true. So deeply true that after some centuries, the words Israel and Ephraim almost became synonyms. In earlier days, the Lord had used Joseph to keep his people of Israel so small in number alive when they had to flee to Egypt because of the famine. In latter days, it is the role of Ephraim to maintain the parental tradition, to be the backbone of Israel. But take a second look at what happens in the history of Israel. Ephraim is blessed. Ephraim is strong. But instead of using this strength to serve the Lord and to serve and protect the people of the Lord, Ephraim wants to go his own way. Ephraim wants to dominate. But this the Lord can't tolerate. In the history of Israel, one king stems from the sons of Rachel. It was King Saul who came from the tribe of Benjamin. But when he doesn't understand that being a king is always being a viceroy in the kingdom of the Lord, the Lord takes the kingdom away from him. And then David from the tribe of Judah becomes his man. But look in history. Ephraim keeps, keeps on going its own way away from the Lord. And not even a century later in history, the schism is a fact. Ephraim at one hand, Judah at the other. Now, we may think that does not come as a surprise to us. Ephraim against Judah. Ephraim opposite to Judah. Where did we see this before? Was it not in the desert? Were the places around the tabernacle not in opposition? The Lord himself puts one against the other. Judah above, Ephraim at the foot. Who could be surprised when they turn out to be rivals? Who could be surprised this all ends in war? Did not the Lord himself see this coming? He could have prevented all the misery, you might think, by granting the both an equally honored place, both at his right hand or something like that, a lot of misery could have been prevented. But don't underestimate the wisdom of the Lord in the way he places those 12 tribes in the desert. Don't underestimate the wisdom of the Lord in the way he places Ephraim. The Lord does not simply put him and Judah in opposition as two great adversaries... He places them one here, one there around the tabernacle, around his place of dwelling. So they should not stand first fists ready to fight against each other. They should stand hands folded toward the Lord. They should not focus on their place as compared to the other one, They should focus on their place near the Lord. And indeed, Ephraim receives a secondary place under Judah as a helper fit for him. Now, the way the Lord places those two opponents both at one side of his place of honor in the desert, well, the same wisdom can help you rethink your position In some battles you may fight. Look, there always will be contrasts, even within the people of the Lord. And they still may cause schisms as well. In our church history, in the past century, we have seen it happen. The point is, before it comes to a division, you have to take care you're not just in opposition of one another. Remember to look up to the Lord and raise your hands in prayer. This also goes for discord within the church. Judah and Ephraim both have to realize that they, each in his place, are totally dependent on what happened in the tabernacle. Dependent on the presence of the Lord. The sacrifices brought there. Because the tabernacle was the place of atonement. That should be their common ground. That still is our common ground when we meet each other at a sacrifice. Jesus Christ. And only if our discord is in truth, a disagreeing about Him, then division is a fact. Human discord doesn't count. If you're one in Christ, you are in truth one. That's about even. Point three, the second place. The second place belongs to Reuben. Now, Reuben was Jacob's firstborn son. See, a son is the meaning of Reuben. A man to be proud of. And he became a man of outstanding character, with a good sense of responsibility. Was it not Reuben, who prevented the murder of Joseph by his brothers? Was not Reuben the first one to answer for the well-being of Benjamin in case Jacob decided to send him with his brothers back to Egypt? Reuben, first class. So why does he end up here? second place south of the tabernacle not east why because he Reuben was a capital sinner he had slept with Bill the slave of his aunt Rachel the wife of his father Jacob that's a sin because it's incestuous but apart from that it's a sin Because by doing so, Reuben claims in advance the place of his father, the place of Jacob. Again, someone who is not willing to wait for the Lord to give him his share. Again, someone who wants to do it himself, in his own way, whatever the price may be. And his brother in arms, Simeon, he is just like him. Let's face the facts Why on earth are those sinners welcome at all near the place where the lord dwells at the right hand of the tabernacle when you face east why this beloved brothers and sisters is the grace of the lord yes you are a sinner no question about that Here the curse of Jacob when he blesses his sons in Genesis chapter 49, he curses. Cursed is their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel, Jacob said. But then the Lord comes, and apparently he knows a way beyond the sins apparently there is a place at his right hand for sinners. Because the Son of God left his place at the right hand of God to make room for us. So that the sons of Jacob, all 12 of them, So that the children of Abram, all 144,000 of them, received their place of honor near the Lord. Do you want to know what grace means? What forgiveness is? Look at Reuben. His father told him he was cursed. And still the Lord says, be welcome at my right hand. Do you understand? Fourth, Judah. Royal class. Jacob tells him, Judah, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And Judah became king, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, etc. For Judah, the ultimate place of honor The royal tribe. So what does this position of Judah have to do with us? Nothing. I can say maybe the Lord treats you like he treated Dan or Ephraim or Reuben. But I can't say the Lord treats you like he treated Judah. Judah is unique. There is no direct link between him and us. The way God deals with Judah is a prophecy about the way he acts in Jesus Christ. He is our orientation. He is our glory, our head and king in heaven, only Jesus Christ. Yet, You and I, we belong to Jesus Christ. And thus, his glory and his place of glory is ours. But in an indirect way. Look at it. Just the way Issachar and Zebulun accompanied Judah. In the same way, you and I may share in the glory of the king of kings. Issachar and Zebulun. Well, Judah became famous. Real famous. But Issachar and Zebulun are lost in history. Those tribes found their place in a promised land somewhere near Naphtali, etc. In the north, you know, in the dark province of Galilee. Dark province? Not at all. Remember the words of the prophet of Isaiah. They were, there will be no gloom for her that was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shining. The light of Jesus Christ, the great son of Judah, the king. He was raised in Nazareth, near the bar- border of Asachar and Zebulun. Thanks be to the Lord. In his grace, he lets us share in the glory of Christ. Now, I apologize, but before we say amen, I want to add just one other point. This sermon is about the Lord who places his people in a place of honor in the middle of the desert. But I cannot finish this sermon in the desert. Uh, the desert. In the days of Moses, it was the desert around the tabernacle. In our days, the days of Jesus Christ, this is the world surrounding Jesus Christ. The world that rejects Jesus Christ, the desert. The the Bible speaks about our days, about the church in this world, in the book of Revelation. The book that reveals us Jesus Christ, the lion from the tribe of Judah. The book that reveals him as he is standing in his place of honor before the throne of God. God himself in the presence of the Father. And he is surrounded by four creatures. One for every direction of the wind. A creature like a lion. A creature like an ox. A creature like a man. And like an eagle. And and they surround him in his place of honor. But don't you think the Lord retreated from the earth as if the earth has become a deserted place in his eyes, like a place he doesn't care for. Listen to what is written in the book of Revelation, chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, from the sunrise, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. Revelation 7. 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, the first one. 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, the blessed one, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 sealed. See on their glorious place near the Lord, even in the desert. Now, one tribe is missed. The tribe of Dan is not mentioned in this list in the book of Revelation. Some say it doesn't mean a thing. Those lists vary throughout the Bible. Yet I see a warning in this omission. This omission makes clear the place of honor near the Lord is not without limits. Being a member of the people of the Lord, being a member of the church, it does not guarantee your citizenship in the kingdom of the Lord. This is a serious warning. It's a warning, yes. But only to remind you... um, to focus on the core meaning of Revelations chapter 7. The Lord protects His people. You all belong to the people of the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ. If He is the orientation of your life, the light of the Lord in a dark, dark world, then you are safe near him, safe in his glory. Let's not forget, we are on our way through the desert towards a new Jerusalem. And the book of Revelation reveals the glory of the new city of the Lord. And John sees it coming the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And he sees a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. And on the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel Do you see it also? The Lord, in his grace, gives his people a place of glory near him. And there was no longer any desert. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web